Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. Welcome to the Love Life Show on thewellnesscouch.com, your weekly relationships, sex, and emotional show brought to you by your hosts, Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And today we are talking about a topic which is sure to have you listening just because it's got it's got rude words in it, doesn't it? <laughs> naughty words. It's got no, naughty words in it, doesn't it, Jane? Penis does the picking, leading with the vagina. And I can't even begin to tell you what that means. I'm just going to hand you straight over to Jane just to intro you on this one. <laughs> okay, look, this comes about from working as a matchmaker with Social 8 where I help people to meet new people, to make new friends, to date, and ultimately fall in love and I look for what are different self-sabotaging behaviors that people people do that stops them from getting the date or it stops them from getting great relationships happening in their life and dare I say it that one of the most common ones that I see is with men who let the penis do the picking so this is where men are picking somebody that they would potentially like to date sexually And they're not giving any consideration to what is actually going to be a healthy relationship. What compatibility do they have? So traditionally what happens is, you know, a a guy will turn up at a party and he'll say, I really like that girl over there. And sure enough, it's the hot girl with the boobs hanging out and it's all happening and everything's on show. And he says, yeah, I really like the look of her. And I say, okay, we'll go over and check her out and see if you've got some compatibility. But there's no compatibility. He goes in and it's all sexual energy. It's all flirtation. It's game on. It's the dance of, you know, are we or aren't we going to end up in bed together tonight? And that's where I talk about the penises doing the picking. So traditionally with these guys, what will happen is they'll come to me and say, I have no problems at all getting dates. I have no trouble at all getting, um, you know, getting girls to, to turn into a relationship where they want to see me more than once. They're seeing each other regularly. But usually at some point around somewhere between the six and eight week mark, maybe 12 week mark, they wake up and they're looking at the person next to them thinking, what am I doing here? We've got nothing in common. So the guys come to me to seek my help in helping them to date somebody that is more compatible. Jane, have you ever considered doing a dating night with the lights off and it's pitch black and people just have to talk? There's a TV show called Dating in the Dark. There is. There is. There is. Fascinating. And it is fascinating. It's really quite funny. So what happens in that TV show is they have three three girls and three guys that they live in like an apartment together, two separate apartments side by side, and they've got this dark room. And so the producers of the TV show have hand-selected, based on their profiles, people that they should be compatible with, and they date in the dark. It gets a bit creepy sometimes there, but so they have, I think it's like three dates in the dark and they provide feedback. I have to watch this show. (laughs) I don't think it did that well. I don't even know if it's still on. I think it only ever did one series, but you could probably find it on YouTube, I would think. Not terribly visual one would imagine, but there's also a UK one. Uh, There's a, there's a few, I think it's a franchise, you know, that that's doing the rounds. And so what would happen then after the date is the girl and guy would go back to their apartments and they would talk about their date with the other two girls or the other two guys and then they would email their their thoughts or feelings to the person they just dated with so they have like two or three dates and then what happens is they stand one of them in the dark room and one of them stands on the other side of this glass and a light comes on and they are revealed and then the the roles are reversed and the other is revealed so they are seeing each other 
that they haven't seen each other's reactions. This just gets better and better. Oh, it's fascinating. Then what happens is they have to decide if they want to see this person again now that they've physically seen them. And what do most of them say? And they then only find out by if they want to see the person, they go out to the balcony. And if they don't want to see them, they grab their suitcase and they leave by the front door. Crushing. So it's so sad because you see one person on the de- on the balcony waiting. waiting, hopefully that she still wants to see him Romeo. or he wants to see her. And instead, they see them waltzing out the door with the suitcase going down the driveway. It's quite heartbreaking. What is so sad, and I'm going to do a sweeping generalization here because I have seen where the boy is up there and the girl doesn't come, the girl's up there and the boy doesn't come. I've seen where neither do and I've seen where both do. However, overall, in the episodes I watched, I didn't watch that many. It did get a bit boring quite quick, actually. However, the episodes I watched, often the guy was on the balcony and the girl was gone. So what they did quite clearly determine from this was that men are actually much more forgiving on looks than women are. And dare I say it? That has been my general experience at Social Aid as well. Now, that is a whole nother can of worms. I know. Because how insecure are women? And we just assume that men need the most hotted up porn babe yeah, all the time. And the men don't. The men don't. Oh, it's really interesting, isn't it? I know. And these are sweeping generalizations. I've got so many beautiful women that are completely conscious and open and give everybody a chance. So I don't want to put across that, you know, it, that, that I have this club that's filled with people that are very judgmental. They're not. But this is often when I'm first meeting people and before I'm really giving a chance to coach them through their self-sabotaging behavior so that the automatic reaction for the majority of, of women is that if the hot factor is not there, I'm not going there. So if you are a woman, how can you make sure that you're screening for guys? Now, I know this sounds obvious, but who only want to get in your pants. Like, so, I mean, if you're out in a single scene, how can you tell which ones of the penises doing the picking? Is it obvious? Yeah, they talk. They will lead with it. Like it, they're literally leading with the penis. Everything is sexual. All of the talk is flirtatious. There's no real attempt to actually get to find out anything about you outside of boobs and vagina and are you on. You know, that's that's okay. that's... that's pretty much it it's very flirtatious and you know hence nightclubs know this nightclubs are built around sex you know if you talk to anyone that markets nightclubs it's all about you've got to have more women in there than men you've got to have this because men will hold a, a bigger sexual energy it's got to be all about dark and get the drinks into them get the flirtation happening let the barriers down and that's how they make their money and so it is about really looking at what is it that the guys are, how are they communicating with you? The other thing though is that if you really want to sort out a player from a keeper is if a player puts the hard word on you and wants to have sex, you hold all the power. And we have talked about this once before in an episode, do you want sex or love this Valentine's Day? So if you do struggle with this, go and have a listen to that podcast because that goes into greater detail about what I'm touching on now. However, the woman actually holds all the power about whether sex actually happens. So he's coming on strong to me. It's all sexual. It's all happening. And I'm just going to say, you know what? I've really enjoyed meeting you. You're a bit of a fun guy or give some genuine compliment, but I'm not interested in going there yet. Now, that's healthy boundaries for me. It clearly states that I respect myself. I'm not going to have a one-night fling. I don't know where this is going. Let's wait and see. I respect myself a lot. From there, he's going to do one of two things. He's going to move on to the next girl and see if he can conquer someone else, or he's going to see if he can conquer you on a second date. And you keep going. Now, at some point, he's going to either do a runner, and in that case, he's a player, and you've dodged a bullet by not having sex with him because 
do not kid yourself that sex is not the glue that bonds together. Or he's going to start hanging around a bit more because as you're keeping healthy sexual boundaries in place, you're actually giving him a chance to get to know you. So you're actually helping him to stop his self-sabotaging behavior of leading with the penis and actually giving him a chance to go from the penis to the heart. Because it strikes me that, um, you know, very young guys probably do this 18 to 22 when they're, they're first getting their license and, and getting their permission to go to nightclubs and, you know, trying it out with opposite sex and earning their, their sex passport and all that sort of stuff. And you're obviously talking about when you really do see men who are in maybe their 30s, 40s or older who yep. never quite have broken out of this pattern. And what I'm wondering is emotionally, how is that? I mean, that must be incredibly unfulfilling, really, because they're never forming any genuine bonds with anyone. And it doesn't have to be a relationship, but if you can't even almost relax and feel comfortable around the opposite sex at all, you're lacking a lot of very good times and conversations and friendships. That's sure. right. And that's actually the number one reason that these guys come to me, because they're saying, I'm doing something wrong. I'm picking the wrong women. I need help. So that's why they come to me. And do because you they get, get an insight as to where that starts, where it begins, where it came from, Jane? Yeah, I do, yes. Often it is that – actually, it's, it's funny how many men say to me, but don't women expect to be hit on? Do, isn't that how I show them that I'm interested? Otherwise, aren't I going to be put in the friend category? Yeah, and society has geared it that way. Yeah, yeah. so there's just a bit of distorted thinking that, yeah. that goes on there. And I've actually said to these guys, there's nothing wrong with you saying to these girls, you know, I find you incredibly sexually attractive. However, I've chosen to put some boundaries on myself because I prefer to actually get to know you better before moving into intimacy. And, you know, that's a wonderful thing for a woman to hear. That's gorgeous. He's into me. He actually wants to get to know me. That's honouring. That actually is sexy very sexy. So it can be as small as identifying that there's a thought process that's an old one that they've never consciously been aware of, that they've just held on to since they were, you know, 18 years old. And they just need to have that brought to the forefront of their mind to change the way that they're now viewing uh, whether women do need to be hit on or not. The other one, though, can be often a guy who actually does lack self-worth. He actually thinks that this is the glue that's going to get her. If he's wanting a relationship, he's going to lead sexually because he doesn't know any other way to lead. He's not feeling that he brings a lot to the table, that girls want hot, sexy guys. And so that's what they've got to bring. Mm. It's very similar to the guy that leads with money that thinks that, you know, women want to be well provided for and they're not going to go out with a guy that hasn't got a fat wallet. It's the same kind of old-fashioned thinking which is them leading with what they think the woman wants. So then talk to us about leading with the vagina, Jane. Is this is this what we'd call girls who appear to be too easy? Is that yes. what that is? Yes, it is. Having said that, you know, there's also, okay, we use the word prick. I guess we are. You just, just said it. it. All right, well, there is, well, it's a good old Aussie slang term, isn't it? The prick teaser. And I, I need to use that now because it is what is talked about. And there is that little girl inside a lot of, of women that believe that if they don't put out, then they are being the PT and they don't want to be seen as the PT um, because that has a connotation of being something that's cruel, that it's women that hold this power over men and, and a cruel woman does that. Or women that are frigid or not relaxed or not what's what's her problem anyway, she's up, up herself and she's yes, too good, all, all of that kind of horrible schoolyard yeah. labels that, that we're stuck with. And I remember growing up um, – my teenage years in the 70s where you were either um, a slut or a snob. There wasn't any middle ground. And so if you held healthy boundaries, you were stuck up snob. 
But if you put out, then you were a slut, yeah. you know, and, and a lot of that mentality, if people haven't heard this conversation or had this conversation or given it good conscious thought, they're just skipping through life with the same thought process from the schoolyard. So it is about becoming more aware that these are just schoolyard labels that are not applicable in mature age dating. And uh, when you're wanting to, to, or you're desiring to be consciously dating, you're desiring to be consciously have, or having a really conscious relationship, it's time to get rid of some of these old fashioned tapes that just don't have any place in the modern dating game. So often the girl leading with the vagina though is often usually somebody who either is very, very pretty and feels that their looks are fading and that's all that they're trading on, that they don't have anything else to offer. Or it can be somebody who actually has felt that they're very physically unattractive in their physical, in their facial beauty, but they've got the great figure and they want to lead with that. Unfortunately, this is often, um, again, comes back to childhood. It can be in those teenage years where the, the pretty girl has never been validated for her intelligence. And I only had this conversation yesterday with a beautiful mother of a gorgeous, this, this child is, uh, 14 and a half and so physically beautiful. It's not funny, but that is all that she's been fed from all of her peers, from, you know, the well-meaning aunties and uncles, the, the friends, parents that all say, wow, the first thing they observe is how strikingly stunning this girl is. And the next thing out of everyone's mouth is you could be, or you should be a model. And so, she doesn't get told the other things that other children are instantly observed of. You know, you've got most beautiful manners. You're such a kind person. You're so intelligent. Wow, look at the athleticism on you, etc., etc. All the different ways that people feel validated. So the pretty girl doesn't get that balance of well-rounded uh, validation of different things that they bring to this world. So, and this leads us into a bit of a conversation about, you know, again, how we instill values into our children when it comes to sex and the sexual conversations or the sexual modeling that we do at home. So, I mean, if we're going to start by looking at our girls, how, I mean, because, and Jana, I would throw this to you because your, your daughters are more into teenagehood, and, whereas my, mine is too. It doesn't mean <laughs> I'm doing a great job. Just ask my kids over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, how do you begin to navigate the field of making sure a girl knows her self-worth in the body and and you know with with boys and and you know they're going to feel turned on and they're going to have their early attempts and all of that kind of thing but how do you inspire this is about boundaries isn't it? it is and this is about it is about self-worth and it's about instilling boundaries but from a young age um I'm curious to know how we can really find the right language to really express that to girls when they're so caught in peer pressure and in, you know, when you're a teenager and all you care about is what everyone else thinks and how you're seen to fit in. And very little thought begins to go into, um, you know, holding your ground or personal power. Or like, they don't care about that stuff. Yeah. And this is where the patterning starts. I know, I know. And I wish I had all the answers right now. I'm hoping that I'm going to have enough because I'm moving right into that territory right now. Yeah. I think, look, with the younger children, it is about really watching your language. One of my beautiful friends always uses these words and I've mimicked her for many years now. When somebody, when one of her children comes out in a, in a very elaborate outfit that they've spent ages getting prepared for a party, she will use the words that you make that outfit look fantastic. And it's such a simple little change that it's actually her that makes that outfit look great. That outfit doesn't make 
that child look great. And so it's really watching that vocabulary. It's watching that we are always pre-prepared for whatever decision we're going to make. So for example, when one of my children wanted to cut off her long hair, now father was a bitch, you know, oh, my pretty little girl with her long hair. No, no, no. And I was horrified that he was saying this. I understand where he's coming from, but I just went, no, no, no. Hair will grow back. It's fine. But what I wanted to say was that whenever you're going to make any decision, no matter big or small, give it time, prepare. Don't just make the haircut about, oh, who cares? It'll grow back. Let's go get it cut right now because I've decided I want short hair. Let's give it a couple of weeks. So I always encourage my family to have between two and four weeks for any decision to be made to ensure that they're feeling the same way in consecutive days and weeks. Now, what I'm hoping that this is going to set is that when it's time for one of my girls to choose to have a sexual intimate act, that that too is going to be predetermined, that it's not going to be in that spontaneous moment of right now, it feels good, I'm with this guy, he's making me feel good, I'm feeling validated, okay, well, let's put out, let's let's lose the virginity, let's do the act. And, you know, I've got a room full of teenage friends that are outside, that are at the party, and it's all going to happen. And I love that because that can be applied to the teenage boys as well, you know, and we are talking about boundaries here. And I know that you're probably going to talk about boundaries a bit in a minute and the 30-day rule and the stuff that you bring in for your older clients. But, you know, back to the teenage boys, and this is such a a simple thing and, and a bit of a worrying thing, but, you know, with porn, because I've been reading a lot lately on the statistics around, you know, the younger boys are and the more porn they're exposed to, it really does get into their, almost their subconscious, and it really does start to skew at their thought process in, in, a, in what can be a little bit of a dangerous way. Sure, a bit of porn, whatever, have a look. It's healthy to some extent to know or to have had that experience or whatever. But this is the households where computer use is unsupervised. The computer is unmonitored. There's no net nanny. You know, the parents have no idea how many hours the kids are on or what they're looking at. And, you know, when boys begin to construct a relationship with the opposite sex that is cyber, that is virtual, that is airbrushed, and that has lacks, um, you know, particularly if we're talking a boy with all brothers who goes to an all-boys school and his, you know, contact with the, the actual opposite sex is very minimal, they can start to get into just a place of real unknowingness, the unknown about what that gender represents and forgetting that we're all just humans. Like we're just people. Everyone, a girl is just a person who farts and burps and pays her tax and scratches her ass and, you know, it, 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 you know, gender melts away. So I'd like to see in homes, I'd like to see healthier um, language around women and, you know, obviously dad modelling to boys about the way that women should be treated and respected. And I'd like to make sure that the computer is always on full view. It's set up in the dining room or in the living room where if mum's cooking the tea, she can look over her shoulder and just see, is he looking at his homework assignment or Facebook or has he gone somewhere else on the internet? What about the phones and the iPads? Well, what, what, how, you know? how do we? How do we monitor the phones and the iPads? I don't know. I don't have that answer. I mean, there are families I know that will uh, put the basket in the middle of the dining room table and say, right, you know, it's now whatever time, in go the phones, in go the iPads, whatever. I like that. Yeah. I'm not convinced Mm. that this is – I'm not convinced yet that this is the answer is to take away. 
No, but I do like the idea of them not taking the phones to bed because there's big problems with teens going to bed with their phones and staying up all night. The school principals will, are, are very hot on this. They're saying that really is such a crucial thing. Yeah. It really is. Absolutely. Um, I do think it is about – I'm a fan of embracing technology, so I've actually been a parent that has been okay with my kids having various different technological devices, but it's got – so if they're going to use them, if they're going to go on Facebook, if they're going to go on Instagram or any of these different social media programs, my rules have been that I am your friend. There is no blocking of me of anything. I don't care if you get on there and say, I've had a bad day, mum's horrible, blah, blah. I don't really care about that. Um, but I want to have full access at any point to be able to observe who your friends are and how you're keeping yourself safe. We have to be able to teach them how to use these tools healthily because they're, they're going to use them. I'm trying to think of an analogy of what, mm. what was similar when I was growing up. I don't know. Was it TV? TV was, you know, everybody suddenly had the color TV and, and the, the Nintendos and I don't know, but it, I just don't think we can be scared of it. We need to use it as a friend. I don't have all the answers there. But um, it's like anything else. It's, it's about if you're going to use it, these are the healthy guidelines and this is the role modelling, this is how we use it, this is how we expect you to use it, this is what can happen if you misuse it. That's right. And all of that sort of stuff. Now, you know, hey, Jane, we haven't talked about self-love yet. <laughs> well, that's actually the other thing that, you know, the penis that does the picking or the leading with the vagina yeah. is that's very common with clients is where they come to me and they truly feel that that is their calling card. That's their trump card. That's their strongest leading point for somebody to find them attractive or desirable or want to talk to them. So with each of them, it did come back to self-love. It was uh, sometimes I would have them do some journaling. Sometimes it was some list writing. It was becoming consciously aware of what else is it that you have within you that you bring to the table. What are some of your beautiful qualities? And dig deep and work out what are they. So for someone it might be, well, one guy that was, was notorious for this, we actually found out he had the most beautiful family values. He actually valued women so much and it was contradictory that he was leading with the penis. He truly believed that's what women wanted. But he actually respected the women so beautifully once in the relationship. But what he would find was that he just wasn't compatible with them. Does that make sense? Yeah. It was very complex. That is a complex Very one. complex and really beautiful. But as we really brought to the forefront these rich, gorgeous qualities of what he saw in a relationship being and his role that he would play in it, my gosh, he became a very sexy man that many women would find incredibly desirable to want to explore a relationship with. So as he started to really feel that worth, his dating game changed and he actually started to lead with conversation rather than with the penis. Because I'm guessing that if you're one of these people who leads with the penis or leads with the vagina, of course that's symptomatic. There's only one thing of other areas of your life that aren't going to be quite functioning as best as they could be. And because of, cause while we're on the self-love topic, you know, it's going back down to those people probably have voices in their head that bully them. You know, they've got the little voice at the back of the head that says, oh, why bother this morning? Or you're too fat. Or look in the mirror. Oh, you look terrible as usual. Or, oh, I'm never going to get that job interview. Or, oh, that girl hates me. And, you know, it, it, they're probably living their lives with under quite a lot of pressure that's self-created. And, again, this is how it plays out in the dating game. But how does that play out financially? How does that play out with their family relationships? Yeah, it's everywhere. And their jobs and their children or whatever. So that's right. So this is why we, we are, of course, coming back to self-love because it is such – it is the only building block. 
that you need in this lifetime. And if you've mastered this, trust me that everything else falls into place. This is about your foundation that you build everything else on. Everything else comes after. This comes first. So if you can't get this right, you literally need to stop everything, put everything on hold, on pause, and put your energy into working on yourself as the number one priority. And I don't care if you're 45 and it's never occurred to you before, or if your parents had a terrible marriage and your mother hated herself and you've got no idea what self-love looks like. It's You're never too late to begin. And there's only about eight gazillion tools, techniques, modalities, practitioners, books, whatever out there to help you do this. Jane's going to tell you something now. What can well, you do, Jane? my book, Get the Date, which yes. talks about all of these different things. Look, one of the most beautiful examples that I had was a lady in her late 30s. She really was sexy as. She was a very, very attractive woman as well as hot as, and she knew how to work it. And uh, when we talked about how this wasn't working for her in the dating world we looked at her life she was one of those very pretty girls at school that was told that she'd never amount to much so get married and have babies and have a man provide for you and it never happened so what we did find though was that as a young school girl she always wanted to be a nurse and she never did it she was too busy finding the husband to go study and uh, she never did find the husband when she was in her late teens and early 20s. So what we actually got her to do was she actually continued as a member of Social Work, but to socialize, to practice socializing and learning from the other women that she was attending dinners and events with, observing them and how they would present and start to mimic some of their behavior. At the same time, she enrolled in a part-time nursing course. And I watched her. So for her, it took a couple of years. She started to establish the career that she wanted. She started to move towards the goals of what she'd always wanted in life and never gone after. And through that, she started to really feel her value. And I watched her change. And as she, her value grew, so gently did the clothes that she was wearing change. So too did the conversations that she lead, led with. And so too were the phone numbers that she exchanged with friendships for uh, both with women and with men. Now, she's actually in a lovely relationship now, which is fantastic. And this is beautiful. That's a beautiful. A picture's worth a thousand words, and that really does show how, okay, so the more that you're starting to respect and honour and value yourself, the body is a sacred temple and all of these things, of course, the energy that you're going to be putting out there, which is almost like a desperation or a quick hit or a needy, that's going to beautifully slowly readjust as well. And this comes into boundaries. You're going to have the most beautiful, healthy boundaries. And when we talk about boundaries, I see boundaries as being physical, you know, how much you'll enable somebody to, to grab at you or pour at you or touch you or slap you on the ass. I see them as emotional, how much you allow something to bother you or worry you during the day. I see boundaries as a spiritual, which is kind of energetic, meaning, you know, when people literally suck, suck on you like energy vampires, they literally drain you or you feel heavy every time you think about having to go be with them, you know, so you, you get, uh, you just get much more on top of each of these different sorts of boundaries in your life and you keep fine honing and fine honing until you only allow in the people, the touches, the words, the energies, the relationships that match the frequency which you're emitting, which is one of a much healthier level of self-love. And as you go through this, I think it's a really powerful exercise to journal your new evidence. Be the scientist in your own life. I'm often saying this. It is where you become the social experiment. So as you change your conversations, as you change how you're feeling about yourself, as you change the way that you are honoring you, whether it's studying that course you always wanted to do or picking up a new hobby or interest or giving yourself the time that you want to have that bath at night, as you do things differently, 
start to observe how people do interact with you differently and document that new evidence because this is the evidence. This is the proof that what you're doing is working and it's going to get you towards a healthier and happier tomorrow. Now, if those steps are taking too long or you really need a a pattern interrupt, you need something quite dramatic for this sort of a shift if you are leading with a penis or leading with a vagina, picking with a penis, leading with a vagina. Um, uh, 30-day rule. Absolutely. 30-day rule. So this is a great rule. And it might not be 30 days. It might be three months. It depends how, how long you need, depending on how bad you are. But it basically means that you do not put out. If you meet somebody, you are not allowed to put out for at least over a month. You need to wine and dine them. You need to date them. You need to talk to them. You need to flirt with them. You need to text them. You need to see them. Do you know what my mother, this is a much more extended sort of an idea, but my mother, my mother's mother, my grandmother used to say, before you marry a man, you must see him in four seasons. You must see him in every mood under every different, you know what I mean? All the different turning of that, that cycle of the year and of all of the like different the four stages of a relationship that we did that we recently. Talked about. Yeah. And you know, this is like a minor version of that. If you have just a, a month or three months with somebody of hands off, literally, oh, you can kiss them, but like literally just observing them, being in their energy, how it makes you feel. Have you got enough to talk about? Are you in alignment with their values? You know, can you have mutual fun together? Can you laugh together? If you can figure out all of those things, you are so far ahead before you even get into the sack where the energy and the chemistry is going to be that much deeper and more sacred because of the emotional connection that you've built. And for the person who wants to come back and say to me, oh, but sex is very important. I need to try them out to see if they're good at it first. You can tell that from a kiss. That's it. I'm thinking about that. <laughs> I just, I just went speechless. She's right, people. She's right. You've been listening to Love Life Show. We're free every Wednesday on thewellnesscouch.com. You can continue the conversation after the show on the, on Facebook.com/slash/love-life. I'm Rebecca Detman. I'm Jane Donovan. And we'll be back with you next week. Thank you. Have a fabulous week. Life is perfect. I'm not trying. It's just happening.